Amen. Hallelujah. Book of John, chapter 21, verse number 18. Jesus speaking says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou was young, thou girdest thyself and walkest wherever thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. And I want to preach to you on this very simple subject. Take your liberty. Take your liberty. Can we say that together? Take your liberty. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your spirit and your presence that's in this house. Jesus, I'm asking you that you would use me in the next few moments to speak a word to this generation. God, I pray that you would open my mouth and allow me to minister with grace unto the hearers. I ask you all these things in Jesus' name, and everyone shout, Amen. Let's give Jesus one more good hand clap of praise. Come on. Do it with all your might. Hallelujah. Come on. The Bible says that the glory of the young person is their strength. Clap to God with some strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Shake your neighbor's hand. Give them a great big God bless you. And you may be seated. What we are reading tonight is one of the last recorded conversations between Jesus and Peter. And like so many of their former conversations, it is filled with many direct and lucid truths. These verses, however, are preceded by several other verses in which Jesus and Peter are having to flesh out for the last time exactly what is Peter's calling and purpose in life. As far as Jesus is concerned, the answer is quite simple. Peter is to, number one, love Jesus. Number two, feed his sheep. If we were to translate this in modern terms, I think it would sound a little something like this. Peter, love me and do the work of God. In spite of all the going back and forth between Jesus and Peter, Jesus manages to speak a powerful and profound prophecy to Peter. What makes it so powerful is that it's anchored in a universal truth. A truth that we can examine closely and applies to all of us. Jesus tells Peter, when you are young, life grants you a great amount of mobility. But as you get older, that mobility dissipates and disperses. Not only will you have less latitude, the freedoms you have left over will often come under the control of others. This is exactly how life really works, whether we are apostles or not. This is why as we age, what we fear the most is losing our independence. It's not losing our driver's license. It's losing our ability to drive ourselves around and thereby becoming dependent on our children. Most people that I've ever talked to that are entering the more mature phases of their life fear and dread the thought of ever having to depend on their children. 
As odd as it might seem, I believe that what Jesus is doing is releasing Peter from any anxiety about his future. It is almost as though Jesus is rehearsing for Peter his famous words from the Sermon on the Mount when he told him, Take no thought for the morrow, for sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. By freeing Peter from the mysteries of the future, he creates a space in which he can animate Peter in the present and propel him to take action. Jesus was telling Peter in very clear terms, Peter, take your liberty while you still have it. I think Jesus was trying to tell Peter, Peter, love me recklessly and work for me tirelessly because life won't always be this way. I came to preach to mid-America that the time to take your liberty is right now. I came to preach to a bunch of young people that the time for you to be radical for Jesus is right now. While you can be, while you have the strength to be, while you ought to be. You. I think you ought to clap for Jesus right now with all the youth and with all the strength and with all the might that you have in your body. Come on, we're going to fellowship in just a little bit, but why don't we fellowship with Jesus right now? Oh, come on. Take your liberty in that hand praise, young person. Come on. The devil didn't want you here tonight, let alone clapping your hands. Take your liberty right in the devil's face. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody shout yes. Amen. I came to preach to you to be on fire for Jesus. Be in love with Jesus. Be a witness for Jesus. Be salt for Jesus. Be light for Jesus. Be the city on the hill for Jesus. Keep it real for Jesus. Keep it true for Jesus. And above all else, be fanatical for Jesus. Come on, take your liberty for Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. You young people, all of you across the sanctuary, you are the people of the increasing kingdom. Look at your neighbors, say, that's me. You are the people of the increasing kingdom. In 526 BC, the Jews were taken captive by the Babylonians. Within that captivity, God raises up a young man by the name of Daniel. One night, the king of Babylon has a dream, and he cannot interpret the dream. But God had raised up a young boy by the name of Daniel, amen, to be a prophetic voice to the king of Babylon. He calls for Daniel to come into his chamber and interpret the dream. Amen. Daniel tells him to tell him the dream, and he will tell him the interpretation of that dream. Throughout years, scholars have tried to interpret the dream and continue to do so. The dream was of a large statue that had a head made of gold, a chest made of silver, an abdomen made of brass, and legs made of iron, and feet with a mixture of clay and iron. Throughout the years, people have been trying to figure out what it all means. Daniel was very clear about what the golden head meant. It was the empire of Babylon. The Bible tells us that. What people have wondered is which empires did the rest of the body represent. What fascinates me, however, is that the giant is not made up of a single metal. There are obvious inconsistencies throughout his body. Albeit this giant might be big, he is in bad shape. As you go downward from his head, the metals that constitute his body begin to depreciate. 
In fact, by the time we reach the feet, it is not even a solid metal anymore, but a mixture of dirt and metal. The message is clear. Regardless of which empires the metals represent, the Bible is telling us that the kingdoms of men do not get better with time. They get worse. They lose their ability to govern. They lose their ability to maintain peace, not just within their borders, but with their neighboring countries as well. I don't think that anybody here realistically thinks that there's still kingdoms made of gold floating around. I think all of us, amen, are listening to the debates going on even in our country and we're concerned. We can see the decline. We can see the feet of, of clay and iron. Look at the world around us. There are no more gold-headed kingdoms. There is great unrest in our world. The kingdoms of men are standing on feet of clay. But not so with the kingdom that we're a part of. No, 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 no. We are part of Jesus' kingdom. And Jesus' kingdom is the exact opposite. As Isaiah so beautifully described it, it is an increasing kingdom. With every moment that passes by, its government and its peace becomes greater and greater and greater. Come on, young person. That's the part of the kingdom. You are part of an increasing kingdom. You know what God told me to preach to you? It's time for you to get outside the doors of this church and preach the increasing kingdom. It's time for you to get out and take your liberty and be fanatical for Jesus. It's time... Come on, I know your mama loves you. I know your daddy loves you. But I don't believe they raised you in this church so you can just sit on a pew. I don't believe Jesus saved you so you can just sit on a pew. I believe Jesus saved you and has kept you all these years so that you might be a light and a witness and take your lip. Oh, come on, come on, come on. I am convinced tonight that the end time harvest we're praying about depends on young people understanding the nature of the increasing kingdom they're a part of. Not only do you need to understand it, you need to get excited about it. Hey, let me just keep it real with you. When I got saved, I didn't see one reason not to tell everybody about it. When I got the Holy Ghost, at 18 years old, and I was suicidal and depressed, I couldn't think of one good reason. They had taken me to therapists. They had taken me to psychologists. The school counselors couldn't help. The therapists couldn't help. The money couldn't help. Amen. The, none of it did anything, but they took me to a little old-fashioned altar and a cockroach-infested church. Hallelujah. A home missions church plant, whatever you want to call it. And brother, just 10 seconds at the altar of the increase kingdom oh come on come on can I tell you that since the day I got the Holy Ghost till now there's just been peace and more peace peace and more peace peace and more peace governance come on this is why the old timers used to sing it gets better as the days go by they understood we're part of an increasing kingdom it's peace increase 
finishes its dominion. One, one translation, one translation says it this way. It is a kingdom without limits. No limits. You, you need to understand, young person, and I think most of us do, but everything the world is involved in is a decreasing kingdom. Jesus said, that which is born of flesh is flesh. And flesh only has so many answers. Flesh only has so many solutions. Flesh only has so many resolutions. Flesh... The law of man can't even do what the law of God does. The law of man will institutionalize you, but it cannot rehabilitate you. Only the law of God, amen, can convict you and rehabilitate you all in one. Because it is an increasing. But you know what this increasing kingdom needs? Some young people, amen, that are willing to get out there and talk about it, shout about it, dance about it, scream about it, run about it, talk about it, live it. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I want every hand lifted up here for just a few seconds. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is a limitless kingdom. It's limitless. When the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit... And the love of God, it says, that it has against it, there is no law. There's no limits on it. Everywhere you go in the United States of America, there's speed limits. You can only go 65. You can only go 70. You can only go so fast. But in the kingdom, God says, I can love you as much as I want. Y'all didn't catch that. See, there ought to be some condemned folk, some young people that made some mistakes and think God hates you. You ought to be running the aisles right now. God has not placed any limit on his love for you. God has not placed any limit on his... Come on. This is good preaching right here. When somebody tells you God loves you, you ought to be running the aisle. When somebody tells you it's not cliche, it's not cookie cutter, it's the stuff. your liberty there is coming a day when you will not be able to report for outreach 
you've got, there's coming a day when your eyes will fail you while you can read your Bible and give attendance to reading as much as you can. There's coming a day when your body won't hardly be able to do a two, three, four day, seven day, ten day fast. Do it now! I am not afraid to preach to young people to be radical and fanatical. Let me tell you something. Every preacher up here at one point has done such radical things that they themselves look back on it and say that was probably a little excessive. And God's looking down from heaven and say, no, that's what qualified you. That's why I brought you in here because you took your liberty while you had it. You prayed. You prayed while you were able to stay up all night, wake up the next morning and still not feel a thing. You fasted while you could do it. You prayed. Oh, come on. I feel the Holy Ghost ripping into this place right now. Shanda, shanda. Come on. Come on. Yes, yes. Come on. The Holy Ghost is talking right now. not raised in church okay but let me talk to the people that were raised in church we live in a sexualized society nobody is more qualified to tell people about about sex and I'm sorry for saying that I am not trying to in any way downplay the the integrity of this pulpit but let me just say this we live in a sexualized society and nobody is more qualified to speak on the virtues of keeping your body than people who have never abused sex. We have people in the world that will use that to get money, to get jobs, to get attention, to get comfort, to do all these wacko things. And you know what? You know what? You know what a lot of young ladies need? A young lady that's kept herself pure all her life that could go up to her and say, you don't need to do that to your body. You don't need to do that to yourself. That's the nature of this kingdom. You know what? There's, there's people... There's people all psyched up about who the next president. I don't know who the next president is, but I know who the king eternal is. And you will notice people that are walking in the Holy Ghost, attending church, living prayerfully. They have increased governance. They have an increased sense of order. They don't look around and say, my, what is going to happen? They know exactly what's going to happen. Jesus is going to come back. Jesus is going to reign on the world. That's the kind of millennial I am. I'm a millennial. I'm the good. Oh, come on. Come on. Oh, come on. There's not one Holy Ghost filled saint to God that ought to be afraid of the coming of Jesus. We ought to be shouting about the coming of Jesus. I'm telling you, now more than ever, God is looking for church-raised kids. And listen, I'll talk to the kids not raised in church before anybody feels like I'm leaving them out. Trust me, if you let Brother Prado talk enough, I'll get everybody. But but I'm telling you right now, you know what the world needs is that contrasting. Those people that haven't slept around, those people that don't have tracks in their arm, those people with no tattoos on their body, those people that have never committed suicide, those people that just dream about cupcakes and ponies all day. 
Because you know what? There's people out there with polluted consciences, evil consciences. Amen. And and they want to have that conscience purged, but they need to see it to believe that it's possible. And when you come up there with your pure self, they think, my God, I've never seen anything like this. I've never met anybody like this. How did you get to be that way? Easy. I'm part of the increasing. But you got to take your liberty, young person, and get out there. Hey, I remember. <laughs> this is the nature of Jesus' kingdom. It goes up. The, the man's kingdom starts with a head of gold and ends with feet of clay. Jesus' kingdom starts with a man pulled out of clay and now he walks on streets of gold. Oh, come on. Is there anybody here that knows they were pulled out of the mire of clay and now you're going to walk on streets? <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. I brought a guy to church. I mean, when I got the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you, I could not stop preaching about the increasing kingdom because I could see, I could see, I could see its effects right away. I was one of those persons that didn't know seven o'clock came twice in one day. Some people still don't. There's a 7 a.m. and a 7 p.m. When you got a job, you'll know what I'm talking about. But... I was one of those people that didn't know 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Amen. I didn't know 7 happened twice a day. And when I got that increasing kingdom, all of a sudden I was waking up every day real early. And doing crazy things like applying for jobs and going to the church to pray. Every single day I got better and better and better. And that's why I'm preaching to you right here. Because the kingdom inside of me is still increasing. You know you know what? Let me just hit the pause button here. If you are frustrated with your flesh. If you are frustrated with not being able to shake bad behaviors. Let this preacher give you some advice. Hang in there. This kingdom increases. It'll get better and better and better. And one day you'll get up and you won't go back to pornography. One day you'll get up. And you won't go back to you won't go back to that old girlfriend of yours. One day you'll get up and you'll stay up because it. Ah. <laughs> I went everywhere and I told people, "Hey, I got something that increases." I remember I got a hold of a friend. I brought now. This is gonna, this probably will not sound strange until you contextualize it and realize I live in California. But he would, to every service with a gun. And yeah, I know y'all do that here too, but in California we, we carry guns for different reasons. <laughs> and he would come every service strapped with a gun. I'll never forget one day we were in church. Holy Ghost was moving. I told him, I said, hey bro, you got the gun on you. No, 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 bro. No gun. I said, lift your hands. Lifted his hand. Boom. Gun went rolling down the ground. I said, man. <laughs> Finally got him to get the gun and throw it over the bridge. We won't talk about that, but he got rid of the gun. And, but I'll never forget, 
this guy was crazy. He, was, he, he wasn't even crazy. He was just cray. He was cray. Carried a gun everywhere. I mean, he was volatile. And I'll never forget, I was living in the house with a bunch of young men. And he came in the house one time. He sat in the chair. And I'm telling you, we didn't clean the place. I, well, I cleaned my place. I cleaned my room. Because I had the increasing kingdom working. <laughs> but he came in our house. It was a bachelor pad. And he sat on the couch with his gun. And I'll never forget as long as I live. He said, man, what is that? And I said, what is what? And at this point, everyone's standing up because they don't know if he's going to go for the gun. <laughs> and he says, what is that? And he jumps out of his chair. He says, every time I come into your guys' house, I feel a peace like I don't feel anywhere else. I'm telling you, when he began to detect the increasing peace of this kingdom, it wasn't too many services later till he showed up without a gun, lifted his hands and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave him the utterance. And he... Come on. Come on. Oh, come on. Magnify Jesus. Oh, come on, come on, come on. I'm almost done preaching. But I feel the Holy Ghost talking to somebody right now. Oh, Jesus. We are living in the last days. We are living in the last days. I have one objective tonight, and that is to preach for you to go, to take your liberty, to be radical and fanatical for Jesus. Don't hold back. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I'll tell you what. My dad is not a religious man. He came back from Cambodia the other day. He travels all over the world. He came, he came, he was, he was in San Francisco. He was on his way to Cambodia. He came, he came to our house. He was talking to my wife and I and one of our friends, one of, one of my friends that was there. We got to talking about religion. He says, you know, you guys know I'm not religious. He said, but the problem I see when I travel the world and then I come back to America. He said, the problem I see is that Americans do not realize what happens when you move religion, any kind, out of a society. You can't just take it out. Because humans are not addicted to religion, humans are religious by nature. 
And when you remove religion of any kind, they will put something in its place. And my dad said, historically, what humans put in the place of religion is genocide. He said, I just came back from Cambodia. He said, I went through the killing fields where Pol Pot killed millions of Cambodians. And it all started with just getting rid of religion and increasing government power. They started lifting up feet of clay and legs of iron. And let me tell you, legs of iron are hard. When they kick, they kick hard. I hope we're out of here before things get worse. I promise you, I am pre-trib all the way. <laughs> well, how somebody help me preach? Hallelujah, don't leave me by myself. Well, maybe I need to preach on that for a little bit. But I'm telling you right now, I hope we're out of here by the, bef- before all that stuff happens. But I will tell you what needs to happen. Amen. This gospel must be preached. And it must be preached by a person. And that person is you. And that person is me. Come on. Come on. And somebody is going to have to take their liberty and go wild for Jesus. Somebody. We need some young people that are not afraid to get on a plane and go to Africa. That are not afraid to get... We need some young people that are not afraid to go. You know, I was driving around Little Rock today. I'm telling you right now, there's some places in Little Rock that could still use a touch of the gospel. There's some places in Little Rock where they could still use a little gospel preaching. There's some people in Little Rock that could still use this message. And you've got to be the one to get out there. You've got to be the... You know, I, I don't think my wife will mind saying this. I hope I'm not preaching too long. I know it's late. But I'll tell you what. It's much later on God's clock than it is here. You know, I, I hope my wife's here. I hope I don't remember. I'll never forget my wife went to the Philippines. My wife is Filipino. But uh, she went to the Philippines. And it's hot in the Philippines. I, I will not go to the Philippines. I'm sorry. I know there's people been inviting me. They probably just heard that. But... You know, my, my pastor's wife preached that you got to wear, you got to wear, you know, tights, pantyhose, whatever they call them. You got to wear them. My wife wore them everywhere she went. She went to the Philippines, she wore her, her, her deals. And all the ladies didn't wear theirs because it was hot and they were melting on people. And my wife said, no, I'm going to wear it. Just, that's what the pastor preached. She never preached otherwise. I'm just going to keep doing it. And you know, it's easy to laugh at that. But you know, when God was looking for a pastor's wife, I, I do not apologize in telling you that God is looking for somebody that will put some skin in the game. God is looking for some people that say, I will go all the way. When people laugh, I'm going all the way. When people criticize, I'm going all the way. When I'll go to college in this skirt. I'll go to PE in this skirt. I will. live right 24 7 365 i'm not gonna have another wardrobe in at the school locker i'm not gonna have a leather dress coat i'm not gonna have a secret snapchat account i'm not gonna i'm gonna live it 24 7 365
you what? And, I, and I, I'm, I'm being real with you. You know what? I pastor people now. And get, any day, give me somebody I got to talk down. Then got to try to get them to come up. Give me 10 people. Amen. That are just that you got to you gotta calm them down a little bit. Then 10 people that you can't hardly fire them up. I'd rather take 10 people that I have to show them you're being a little excessive. But I kind of like it. But just curve it a little bit. And get out there and tell everybody about you. Than trying to give me somebody that's stuck to the pew like gum. That thinks they're entitled to this. Give me somebody that'll live this tell you why. I will tell you why people don't get out there and take their liberty. They're afraid. Matthew 10, 28. Jesus, you know, you got to be careful with fear because it is one of the very few native and automatic emotions that humans have. We don't all laugh at the same stuff. We don't all cry about the same stuff, but I'm telling you, you put a group of people on a plane from different countries and that thing take a nosedive, we will all scream exactly the same. From El Salvador to Uganda, we will all be singing in falsetto. Whatever that is, I can't even. You gotta watch fear. Because I'm telling you right now, there's whole industries built around exploiting your fear of things. You know, you got to watch fear because it's contagious. It'll get on one area of your life and spread to all the other areas of your life. And fear can actually even be contagious between people. Eve ate the fruit first, noticed she was naked, became afraid, hid in the bush, said, hey, Pass that fear on to Adam. You got to be careful, young person. I'm telling you right now, I don't care if you go to a church of 10 or 10,000. You need to find the young people that are on fire and fearless. Because if not, you'll sit next to old lukewarm Lucy. And she'll be like, I went to outreach and I'm telling you, they laughed at us. And it was the most embarrassing feeling ever. And Jesus is in heaven begging, don't ever let me be embarrassed of you. Matthew 10, 28. It's the only emotion that Jesus actually tells us how to, how to administer it. He says, you will not fear man. In fact, Jesus tells us what we're not supposed to fear. Matthew 10, Matthew 6, Matthew 6, he says, You will not fear whether or not I will take care of your basic necessities. And he even goes down the life chain. He says, Not even animals or plants fear this. You shall not fear this either. Birds don't worry about what they're going to eat. And flowers don't worry about what they're going to wear. You shouldn't either. Because you're greater than any plant or any animal. Matthew 10, 28, he says, you will not fear man. 
I'm telling you, God has been rocking my soul all week. I refuse to be afraid of anyone. I'm not going to be afraid of anybody. I'm not going to be ashamed of this gospel. I'm going to go out there and talk it up. I'm going to go out there and be a chatterbox for Jesus. I'm not going to be intimidated. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm... Don't be afraid. When you are afraid, you put yourself in an ideal position to sin. I've done it. You know, whenever I've, whenever I've been afraid, people ask me something, I'll try to wiggle out of it. When you're afraid, you're in a perfect position to start sinning. But when you are fearless, the Bible says that the righteous shall be bold as lions. But the sinner says there's lions in the street. And he fears when nothing comes. God is calling us to a fearlessness tonight. Musicians are going to play in a few seconds. But I tell you what we're going to do. We are going to take our liberty. We are going to come to the altar. We're going to lift our hands. And we're going to shake ourselves of any fear. And we're going to shake ourselves of any sense of entitlement for this gospel. And we're going to declare to ourselves, to this world, I'm going all out for Jesus. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Oh, come on, come on, come on. Oh, come on, lift those hands right now. The Holy Ghost, there's a, there's a boldness coming on this congregation right now. Come on. Come on, as you're coming to this altar, throw your hands in the air and begin to speak in other tongues. Let the Holy Ghost move all over you. Let the Holy Ghost touch you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. There are young people here. God is going to deliver you of fear tonight. God is going to set you free. Amen. And make you fearless. Hallelujah. 